Business Matters, in association with ATU Donegal's Faculty of Business. If you're an owner or manager in the food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour lecture weekly. Call 9186600 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme... We'll be talking to the overall winner of the Donegal Local Enterprise Office Student Enterprise Programme for 2023, Matthias Ulish, who's a TY student at Errigal College in Letterkenny. But first, in April of last year, Donegal ETB launched the country's first ever certified weaving course. While developing the initiative, Donegal ETB was given great support and assistance from the CEO of Harris Tweed Authority, Lorna McCauley. Lorna visited Donegal last week and spoke at a number of Donegal Local Enterprise Week events. She also called to the training centre in Kilcar, where she met the newest intake of participants on the Certified Weaving Programme. Lorna, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you. Good morning. Lorna, the first ever Certified Weaving course in Ireland was launched in April last year in Kilcar by Donegal ETB and it was yourself who provided much needed help and support to the ETB when they were pulling together the programme. Earlier this week you called into the training centre in Kilcar and I'm sure uh, you were happy with what you discovered. Thanks. Yes, um, it was really it was really great to finally see the programme uh, happening. Um, Derla Kelly and Joe from the ETB visited us in Lewis uh, approximately four years ago to to talk about what they were hoping to do and what had brought them to the point where training was required. And it just completely uh, chimed with where we had found ourselves up in the island uh, in in Scotland um, approximately 12, 13 years ago. Our industry was in crisis. Uh, The age profile of the weaving workforce was um, not not where you would want it to be. Um, it was uh, in the high 60s. 68 was the average age of, of our weaving workforce uh, back in 2008-9. And our industry was in crisis frankly. And it was a time when we were uh, wondering whether our industry was viable going forward. You know, d- did this industry uh, have a future? And um, and you know, maybe we can come back to this as we chat on. But uh, at that point, we knew we needed to recruit new blood into the industry, and um, so we had to start scratching our head to, to work out how we were going to do that. And what approach did you take, Lorna? And and so we 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 decided let's let's uh, let's write a course and let's um, uh, give that course some value and accreditation uh, that it deserves and uh, so we we sat a a, a gang of us around a table and we started sketching out what we thought should be in an accredited weaving training course. Now slightly different from the Donegal uh, course I saw yesterday ours was around the Hattersley loom the the, the course that uh, is happening here is around the wooden loom but but the the principles were exactly the same. And just for our listeners what is the difference between the two looms? Um, Well the Hattersley loom is a cast iron iron um, shuttle loom, pedal loom. There are many of them in, in this county. Um, and the, the focus of the course that the Donegal ETB have, have worked up is around a wooden hand loom. 
but but the, the weaving principles are constant um, throughout. And I think what, what we were able to do 12, 13, 14 years ago even in, in, up in the Outer Hebrides was, um, you know, for the first time in our long history, sit and say, you know, and, and write down in a, in a kind of, you know, thought out way, what what are the skills that you require to be able to produce you know woven cloth, and can does this does this meet the criteria for for a, a certified training course that that will be recognised and valued and on a CV because these are skills the same as you know you and I have in, in on our CV and they should be accredited as well, and so we we did that and uh, we ran it and you know we learnt lots of lessons from it we got it badly wrong at times as well and you know and but we, we went back and we fixed you know we fixed it and we we think we came out at the end with a course that um that worked and then of course derla and eat the uh donegal etb came came knocking and it worked you know we, we saw that well what's the point in it sitting on our shelf if they can use it too they were in a very similar position and uh, we just began to to share and there were so many more um Similarities between the two sectors that we were able to share the training stuff, but we learnt uh, from both sectors can teach each other a bit. How successful was the initiative, Lorna? For us, uh, it, it was hugely successful. Um, we were at a point in our industry where we were uh, in crisis. Uh, we were inviting an investment. We needed multi-million pound investment back at that time. And we were saying to investors, yeah, 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 we need your money, but our workforce is 68 years old. And um, so you know, they were rightly scratching their heads saying, eh, no, no. And we, we brought it down to about 44, the average age. And Lorna, how did it get to the crisis point? Okay, uh, good question indeed. Our industry uh, was largely um, run by one person who was wishing to retire he had sort of taken his foot off the throttle as it were and I think it's important to, to note here though that Harris Tweed is not owned by anybody the Harris Tweed industry is held in trust by the Harris Tweed Authority for the people of the island and I'm its legal guardian I'm appointed as its legal guardian and we license the production out to three commercial competitive mills and that's much like the structure we have here in, in Donegal. We have you know, many producers of Donegal Tweed um, and no one person owns Donegal Tweed. There are many makers of it and that that's similar to our own structure. But our industry was in decline and just to put that in context for you, um, Tweed production peaked in 1966 at 7.6 million yards of yards in those days of cloth leaving that tiny island uh, chain there was another significant peak uh, in the mid 80s at about 4 or 5 million metres um, and actually yesterday event, at yesterday's event in, Malo- in McGee's um, Peter, a chap called Peter Sweeney offered some really really interesting uh, insight into why that peak happened in the mid 80s and he was involved in it actually it was about a negotiated deal with the House of Congress in the states around duty however I, you know I digress but to, to put, put these you know these peaks in the 60s and the 80s in context in 2009 uh, the output from the Harris Street industry was 450,000 metres and that was crisis point people were leaving the industry in droves um, we recognised that uh, that was a beginning to become an unviable um, uh, figure for, for keeping people in the industry and we had to do something about it and, and for me uh, for me, it matters too much to let it die 
I think something that has been part of our culture and our heritage and our language, um, not to mention our economy, um, was too important to let it go. And um, I fortunately, that was the same view of some other like-minded folk on the island, and we fought back. And, and you are a third generation Harris worker. Yeah, my father, my father and my grandfather both worked in the industry. Um, the, the the area of the island they come from, on Shawbust on the west side of the island, is is very much a heartland of harvested weaving. And I just felt strongly that um, you know I should do something about it with with others. I didn't do it on my own by any means, but um, it's, it's kind of interesting. We talked about this yesterday at, at the event in, in McGee's. Um, growing up on the island, presumably my parents wanted the best for me and my sister. They want, we were ambitious. We were, you know, academic enough. And um, But the last thing my folks would have wished for was for us to go into the Harris Street industry. It was an industry blighted by boom and bust, highs, lows, twists, turns. And do you remember those times? Vaguely, yes. Um, I remember times when the industry was booming and buoyant. You couldn't walk through the villages without the noise of the Hattersley loom clattering. Um, I remember, you know, bus timetables being scheduled around the busy mill shifts. As a child, I remember that. Um, but I also remember, like, the anxiety. You know, you pick it up as a child, the anxiety of when there were bad times, you know, and hard times. And um, But, you know, it was an industry that couldn't, reciprocate by giving you a quality career, pay reward, progression, you know, all the things you and I look for in, in, in our work. And um, and yet the uniqueness of the craft is what is making it uh, so successful. Uh, uh, absolutely. And and I, I, I think that's that's actually what has turned uh, to, to, uh, to our advantage now. Something in the consumer psyche has 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 shifted towards things of quality, things of authenticity and integrity, th- things that are made in a particular place in a particular way, and people are willing to pay for it. And and if and, and as I said to to the folk I've been chatting to over the last couple of days here, is that if anything, when I hand this baton on to the next generation, unlike when I grew up uh, on the island, um, we now have databases and spreadsheets of the most ambitious and the most well-qualified and trained young people desperate to work in the Harris Street industry. And if Donegal Weaving can take a little of that from the training they're doing and the refresh that they're going through, perhaps the energy that the PGI status that's on the way might bring them, then, you know, I, I see a really, really bright future. I don't think the Donegal weaving sector is in crisis by any means, but I think in terms of attracting young, talented, energetic staff into to their sector, um, you know, you've got an awful lot going for us, and, and you know, we can share our lessons uh, uh, that we learnt along that road. Do you see a lot of similarities between Scotland? And Ireland. Hugely. I can see an awful lot of similarities between the Harrisweed industry and Donegal weaving in particular. Not just the kind of production methods, but, you know, our geography, our challenges, lack of people, distance. Um, but but I also, there's, there is a, a sincerity and in, an integrity. And I picked up yesterday a real feeling that it's important to the people. Um, that this thing carries on here and grows and is and and you know continues for for the next generation, and that's that's what's worked for us. You mentioned uh, taking up the baton. Mm. 
when did you take off the baton and what were things like at that particular stage? Lorna? Uh, <laughs> you know, I keep telling people it wasn't my fault, but at the at the height of its disaster, it was 2009, we were in utter crisis. And, uh, you know, sometimes some folks say to me back home that I, you know, career booby prize of the year to, to move to an industry that was in crisis. But, um, you know, it also gave, it also came at a time when we had the opportunity to say, okay, let's start again. Now, we've talked a few minutes ago about the peaks at, at 7 million metres and 5 million metres. We will never again be a 7 million or a 5 million, no matter how much success the industry has. We don't want to be that again, actually. I think we have finally accepted that uh, we would much rather be a smaller and better industry than that volume industry again. We would much rather be a sustainable year-round industry that'll be here in another 100 years' time than that bang and bust of my father and my grandfather. And and that was a, that was a major kind of um, light bulb moment for us all to say, let's be content to be a smaller but better year-round industry that provides good quality employment, good pay, good reward, good progression. None of the worries of payoffs, layoffs, because ultimately it's wool cloth. It's going to have an element of seasonality about it. And and that was the other, you know, really powerful kind of um, light bulb moment for us as a, as a group as, of producers and interested people on the island is that we said it, the men's apparel market is what held the Huddersfield industry up all through, you know, history. And and we had a, we had a, an acceptance that dad's jacket perhaps wasn't the future. Uh, there's still a place absolutely for 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 apparel and particularly men's sports jacket, but we had to evolve or risk dying. And um, so we had to look at our cloth and say, is it suitable for accessories for home wear for women's wear? Um, you know, we had to just. Uh, open our eyes a little bit and say, not always for a jacket. And what did you learn? Um, we, so the, our def, the definition of Harris Tweed, legal definition of Harris Tweed, set out in a, an Act of Parliament, so there, there's very little wriggle room, um, is 100% pure new wool and nothing else. We must be 100% pure new wool. And so that means, you know, you can't stick a little light crown there or a little cashmere to soften it up. And you ha- you had to just sort of, accept that point of difference that there are some things Harris Street just will never be suitable for. Um, all around this room we're sitting in our beautiful Donegal blankets to cuddle up on the couch and nestle down and watch a movie. I'm not sure that's right for Harris Tweed. That's just not what we are. We're a rougher cloth. We're a hairier texture. Um, and, you know, and we had to just finally say stop trying to be um, all things to all men um, and, and find where our, our cloth is most suited. So and, uh, where is it most suited now, Donna? So w- w- where we are, we are now, you know, sort of 12 years, 14 years on from, from that difficult period is um, we're still an apparel industry, uh, a, a very significant and growing section of, of our, our production goes into interiors and soft furnishings. Um, Couches, sofas, curtains, cushions, that sort of thing. Ladies wear. Fortunately, uh, ladies want a new coat every winter, and let you guys say uh, you're happy with one every every few years. So that that's a that's been a huge growth area. Um, we've understood that uh, we live in a world where people have central heating, uh, public transport, global um, 
global warming. We come to, I mean, certainly I go to work most days in my Rab jacket and my Gore-Tex and, um, you know, we live in a world of casualisation of dress. Men don't wear their wool jacket of a day anymore. And we had to just realise that um, we have to evolve as well to make sure, um, you know, our industry far away up there in the northwest of Scotland is still relevant to, to, to today's markets. And what was your background, Lorna, before you took on the role of CEO? Um, I, I actually uh, worked uh, as a, an economist for Highlands and Islands Enterprise uh, in, in skills and training and, and workforce development area, but I had a sectoral brief for Harris Tweed and I'd been carping on for years about you know, that it needed a, a bit of a refresh and, um, you know, when you do that you sometimes have to kind of put your money where your mouth is and I applied to, to the post and, and got it and uh, it's a it's a huge um, privilege to have a wee role in something that has been in your blood and your family for a long time but it's, it's a big responsibility because it really matters back home. 300 jobs reliant on the industry. In relation to those jobs, and where they are based. Before we began recording, uh, Lorna, we talked about the layout of the area, and you might maybe share that layout with us. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Outer Hebrides, so the, the legal definition of Harris Tweed states that it must be hand woven in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland from 100% pure new wool, and interestingly, woven at the home of the weaver. There can be no factories from the weaving element. They, they, the cloth must be woven at the, the weaver's own home by law. And our island is a long, uh, narrow archipelago of islands about 40 miles off the Scottish mainland, uh, northwest coast of the Scottish mainland. It's rugged, it's wild, it's remote, it's fragile, economically very fragile, um, very beautiful, uh, very heavily dominated by the public sector. Um, and the Harris Street industry, probably with tourism, are, are, is the key uh, key private sector uh, industry in the island um, and I think what's so interesting about our industry and, and, and slightly similar to, to what I've witnessed here over the last couple of days is that um, Harrisweed production doesn't happen in Stornoway, the main town uh, the main industrial uh, town in, in our island chain um, because weavers must work from their home it pushes employment out to the most rural parts of the island and keeps families in these rural villages arguably keeps primary schools open, arguably keeps the little village shop open. And I think we have realised that that's really important to the sustainability of the, the, the Outer Hebrides. You know, that if you bring everybody into town to work every day, these rural villages risk depopulating, they're empty all day, fuel costs are high, folk you know, begin to think, well, maybe we should just move into town to be closer to everything. But because you know of the structure, and you know I take no credit for setting up that stru structure. It was long, be long before my time um, that it keeps families in these rural villages, and that that's powerful. Can we go back to the very start, Lorna, of Harris Tweed and the story itself? Yeah, indeed. Uh, so we, we, we would be we, we would be going back to approximately eighteen forty six when we can kind of put our finger on when um, the start of the Harris Street industry really happened. Um, it, royalty moved to the island. He was actually kind of shipped to the island for misdemeanours, the, the, uh, the, the Count and Countess of Dunmore. 
and uh, they were moved to the island and the Countess of, of, Dun, of Dunmore uh, she loved the island and she befriended the locals and they, she saw that they were weaving cloth for their own domestic use uh, hard wearing outerwear to protect their, 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 their family from the cold and uh, later the, Lord Dunmore died and when she was settling his estate, she was travelling back and forth from the island to London to settle his estate, which was not as I did, a, you know, a, a one-hour flight. You know, in those days, it must have been a four or five-day horse and cart trip. She would take examples of the locals' work, uh, weaving work, with her to London and sell it to her wealthy contacts in London and bring back the money. And then she... Uh, identified two local women in Harris and she sent them to Paisley uh, a town in the west of Scotland just outside Glasgow where there was already a textile industry the Paisley pattern of course and uh, Lady Dunmore sent two sisters who became known as the Paisley sisters to, to Paisley to learn the craft of commercial weaving and come home and cascade it to her fellow to their fellow islanders and that was no mean feat because, again, these young women would never have been off island. They probably didn't have English. They would only have had Gaelic. And um, they went, they learnt, and they came back and they cascaded and an industry was born largely supported by the Dunmore family. Um, and then fast forward uh, about 100 years to 1906, a group of island men thought, gosh, you know, this is, this is taking off. We better do something. And I, I'm always struck by... You know, the foresight these guys had to protect what they saw emerging. There was no eBay or Alibaba or Amazon and no internet and an incredible wisdom and foresight to register with the then Board of Trade, the trademark, um, the Orb trademark. And they registered in 1906. It was awarded in 1909 and is the UK's longest continuously used trademark. Bass Beer is actually number one, but they ceased trading during both wars and had us to continue trading during both wars. So we are accredited with having the, the, the oldest or conti continuously used trademark. And it's a beautiful mark. It's an iconic trademark. It's the orb uh, with a Maltese cross atop it. And, on, and something really interesting has happened in, in, in so much as uh, you know people's awareness of um, that trademark uh, that beautiful label, uh, all through history, that label has been quietly worn internally on the lining of, as I said earlier, Dad's jacket. Today's brands are wanting are wanting to use that mark externally. So pride and quality. Pride and quality, yeah. In the same way as you know, our Nike swoosh or our Adidas stripes, the Harris Street brand is now. Uh, Brands are wanting to use it externally and show that they're wearing Harris Tweed, and that sets us slightly apart. And again, I see that as an opportunity for Donegal to, to, to follow. Lorna, Harris Tweed is the only fabric in the world that's governed by its own Act of Parliament, uh, and that was passed in 1993. You talked earlier about the importance of protecting uh, the product. How important was that Act that it was passed 30 years ago? Absolutely vital. I, I, I think we would have no industry today had, had that work not been not been done at that time. Um, we live in a world where um, manufacturing is largely now in Asia. Textile manufacturing is now largely in Asia, and um, it, it would have just been absorbed 
bit by bit by bit it would have been broken up and absorbed and taken off island and the wisdom of these guys who who you know fought for that act of parliament you know has, has effectively saved the industry now i think it's important to to sort of say that um the act of parliament vital as it is it's a tome of a document but it boils down to two, two sentences really that the cloth must be woven in the island from 100% pure new wool at the home of the weaver and there will be a Hallis Tweed authority to protect it and, and our role really is the protection and the promotion of the industry and um, we are a small organisation we're a small organisation with a bit of a lemonade budget to be honest but we fight above our our, our kind of size to, to protect our st- ourselves uh, and people actually um respect that and they want to pay a little bit more money for something that they know matters and um and that's what the, what these guys and girls who 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 fought for the act in the late 80s early 90s uh, did for us how difficult has that protection process been um, I, th- I think it was a a chore and a half to get it through in the first place but once through there was no lying back and saying well we've got that because a uh, the counterfeiters and the infringers are ever smarter and uh, we now um, we have to supplement the act with a portfolio of trademarks all around the world and Brexit has been you know, an enormous challenge for us because we immediately lost our European uh, collective mark and we've had to go and re-register our trademarks in all the member states and that's expensive and that's uh, you know an enormous you know um you know, kind of administrative bureaucratic challenge for us as well, and I see, you know, if the PGI status for Donegal Tweed progresses as 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 we all hope it does, um, there's an opportunity for you to use the might of the European Union to protect your sector in a way that we lost out on, um, because we we fell out of obviously the the European Union after Brexit. You guys have a chance to 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 use that power and status that that it will protect for you in a way that we have to pay, <laughs> frankly, expensive lawyers to do for us. But it's worth it. You mentioned the challenge of Brexit, Lorna. How did the pandemic affect operations? Gosh, um, it was funny. I remember I remember going uh, the days shortly after Boris announced you must work from home blah blah uh, we were all packing up to go and work from home and the weavers were saying what's all the panic about we've been working from home for, forever you know they, you love it and, and they were really nonplussed about it and you know of course we were all in, 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 in panic as to what was coming and uh, so we, we worked from home like everybody else did um, we learned a new way of working um, production continued at the homes of the weavers uh, and we learned that you know, for a short time, and I don't think it's to be replaced forever. You know, we can still work with our customers in Japan and China and Korea, and Korea and in the States, down a television screen, a, a computer monitor. It's not ideal, but we did it, and and business continued, and folk are resilient, and the industry was resilient enough to keep going. And in fact, and we didn't see this at the time. On reflection, it was a really good thing. I think people. Uh, slowed down and had an appreciation for things that were made well. They had a bit of extra money, maybe because they weren't travelling, um, weren't you know we weren't socialising, we weren't eating out. People, we really we really saw a 
a peak in our interior soft furnishings market. Folk were doing up their homes. Um, and and I, I don't know, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there is, seems to have been a shift in folks saying, well, we'll use our hard-earned money for things that are good quality, not throw away things that have been made by people in a in a way that that you know sort of matches the pace of of, of things at the time, and that worked well for us. Really did. did. Sorry, Lorraine. Did you take learnings from that uh, COVID time yourself? Personally, I, I did. I did. My, my 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 personal work pattern had been a bit chaotic. I travel a lot. Um, you know, I feel really strongly and passionately about the Harris Street industry, and uh, you know, we all work hard. Uh, but I was doing it differently, and I I, I learned that, um, you know, my own family and my own family time, and going to your own bed rather than a, a hotel, and a, you know, it was a really it was a really blessed time. The weather was beautiful for lockdown one in particular. I have two adult sons. Well, when I say adult sons, they're in their early twenties. We were horrified at the prospect of the three of us all being home together at one time. But you know, I have actually very beautiful memories of, of that time of, of us all being uh, together. And we slowed down and we learned to, to, to work together and, and work for the Harris Street industry in a, in, a, in a different way. And I'm reluctant to let that slip too much back to the way it used to be. Um, this is a joy of a trip here, but I'm not as quick to go to meetings overseas as I might I used to have been. Um, we can do things. I don't personally enjoy the Zoom Teams thing terribly much, but it's you know in terms of my own footprint and carbon footprint, my own time management, my own value I put on my family time. I, I've I've changed how I work, and it's for the better. Can you give me an example of a typical week in your working life, Lorna? Um, Fourteen years ago, my work. My work was about retelling and reintroducing the Harris Street industry to a new generation after probably 20 years of a, of a bit of kind of lethargy on, on retelling that story. So my focus was on the promotion. Uh, 14 years on, my focus has to be on the protection side of things, ensuring that we have the right checks and balances in place to make sure that we're not being, frankly, knocked off. Uh, we're not being passed off, we're not being copied and that we're doing all we can to protect uh, the Harris Street industry. So that, there's been a kind of 80-20 split of, uh, towards the uh, the protection arena. But I'm, we're based in very beautiful offices in Stornoway Town Hall, a civic building in the Town Hall. We have um, never a week goes by when we don't have a visiting buyer, journalist, TV crew. We, um, we're we very lucky we don't have to work too hard uh, uh, to, to attract in um, it's a very visual industry, like yours is. Uh, it, it translates very well to camera. Uh, so we, we're never a week without hosting uh, uh, somebody. Uh, we have a lot of buyers, press, media visits. Um, we have a small visitor attraction within our office in the town hall. We're a tiny team. There are only seven of us. Um, and we're, we're probably swan-like above the surface and, uh, you know, paddling curiously underneath, trying to, uh, you know, the phone rings and uh, big brands around the world ask for the media department and the legal department and the advertising department. And it's the same few gang of us that do it all. Um, we are, we are a, a, a small um, authority. But uh, it's, um, I have to say, you know, we're a team, we're a family. 
um, and we've got it in check. We, you know, we, we it's important, but it's not life and death stuff. And um, and I, I think that's a, a really important message, you know, from our industry and our part of the world is that, you know, health matters more. Um, you know, we, we we just we just our industry matters and we take it seriously, but. Um, we we look after each other in our industry, um, and and that, I like that about it. Your high point to date in your role as CEO. Uh, my high point has been about seeing young islanders choosing choosing to come into the Haddon Street industry. Nothing gives me greater pleasure because I can't tell you how far I'd have run in the opposite direction when I was 16 from the industry I knew then uh, you can now whether your thing is colour and pattern or your thing is accounting and number or if like me you're into trademarks and patents and um, the legal side of things the Harris Street industry can provide a career on our island, a cool sexy career on your island with opportunities to travel you know, be part of a global brand and that that for me just makes me tick and are you optimistic for the future? Hugely so. Hugely so. And thankfully, our world is beginning to realise that, you know, a, a pair of jeans at a fiver is not a, you know, out of a, a kind of mass produced, uh, is, is, is not clever. We buy things better, buy things smarter. We're not saying for a second um, that we're eco. Not a bit. We still use outrageous, you know, um, heat and energy to, to make the cloth. We use commercial dyes. We we're better than many. We're definitely better than many. But we are uh, we are absolutely a sustainable uh, industry. That uh, and, and uh, I, I think the world is clicking onto that, and and that puts us in a great place, as it does Donegal to it too. Just bring it back to a local angle again, Lorna. You attended the Donegal ETB's uh, Donegal Weaving Breakfast uh, in McGee's store in Donegal Town. How did you find that? Lovely atmosphere, actually, yesterday. What a beautiful shop it is um, and, and cafe upstairs. Um, do you know what? It could have been home. It could have been home. The folk just are really interested in what we've done. I think uh, we we had a laugh. I think we stalk each other from afar. You know, I, I think our industries are very similar. And I, I certainly watch the, the, the Donegal uh, industry online and on social media. And I, I, I got yesterday that they too watch ours. Um, I sense that there's a real determination to make this work, to get young blood into your industry, recognising there's a small number of skilled weavers left in, in this area. Uh, you know, the weaving course that we went to visit yesterday on hand looms is this is the second time it's been run. Um, great start um, in, in, in ensuring that craft live, lives on in this area. Very, very similar pattern uh, to, to what we went through 10 or 12 years ago. And you visited a number of outlets as well yesterday? Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah. It's a, yours is a bigger industry than ours um, and uh, went to you know, see the yarn production facilities very similar to ours uh, went to, to see several of the, of the producers as well and um, you know these are f- brands and names we see at the trademarks at the trade shows uh, around the world and I, I have to say I, I, I think you know there's opportunities to do a, a little bit more together I think presenting as a kind of Celtic um, couple of Celtic brands together to the American market for example might be very powerful uh, we could share the pain of some of the heavy costs to attending these trade shows uh, together I, I just think there's 
possibly, and we we need to explore this further, and we've got some more meetings later today. You know, so how can we beyond the training thing? How can we work? Uh, slightly closer. We're not competitors. The world's a big place. We we have a different product. Uh, we might all be wool woven cloth, but there are there are differences. But yet, I think we can we can work together. And finally, Lorna, are you hopeful that uh, the new program that has been rolled out and began last year will be the key to uh, the culture uh, surviving and thriving into the future here in Donegal? I have to say, I think it's necessary. I think if if you if you don't if if the Donegal weaving sector doesn't crack this um, thing of being able to attract young blood into your sector, you, you're going to have a problem like we had 12 years ago. And uh, this is a this is a really important step the Donegal ETB have 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 bitten and, and taken hold of. Um, and and you uh, speaking to the managers of the production mills yesterday as well. They recognise that, and that's the first step. Uh, uh, these mills need to work together and support this training to to, to get young people in, um, or, or else I, I I worry I worry that that uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to see how you can sustain the lovely brand message that Donegal Tweed has of handwoven in this beautiful part of the world. Um, if you if you don't have people willing willing to to, take, to learn that craft or pass on that craft, actually. Lorna McCauley, Chief Executive of Harris Tweed Authority, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. A pleasure. Thank you. Join us after the break when we'll be talking to Matthias Ulish. Are you an owner or manager within a food production business? ATU's Faculty of Business will support you with its one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. Future-proof your operations by completing one three-hour online lecture weekly, all while working your normal schedule. Contact the Work-Based Learning Program Development Manager on 918-6600 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. You're welcome back. The county finals of the Donegal Local Enterprise Office Student Enterprise Programme for 2023 were held in the Clannery Hotel as part of Donegal Enterprise Week last Wednesday. Matthias Ulish from Erigal College was announced as the overall winner after his business venture, Local Lino Art, which produces handmade lino prints, got the nod from the judges. Matthias, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you. Matthias, can you tell us first of all uh, about your business and when you set that up uh, on the school? Yeah, of course. Um, my uh, business uh, name is Local Lino Art. Um, I produce lino prints of various locations around the White Atlantic Way in uh, Donegal. I print them on recycled paper on Irish folklore books with um, the Irish language to create a connection between the language and the design. So going back to the start of the process, uh, Mr. Gorrell began teaching yourself and your classmates about enterprise back in September and introduced the idea of setting up your own business back then. What was the next step after that, Matthias? Um, the next step was idea generation. So we uh, went through a couple of phases of uh, brainstorming. Um, I, for instance, had a, uh, another idea that I had first, and then in the next phase where uh, I had to select the best idea, I noticed, yeah, uh, the uh, line of printing has more future and is more a gap in the market. And from there, uh, I'm sure, a bit of research. Um, where did you go to sort of bounce your idea off? 
Yeah, uh, there were two stages of uh, market research. First, uh, uh, secondary market research on the internet, and then uh, a primary uh, research um, with uh, mostly adults in my social environment and teachers in the school. And what sort of feedback did you get with this? Um, the feedback on the first day was amazing. I had uh, three of my prototypes and showed them to my teachers. And the feedback was just overwhelming. I already got a few pre-orders. And I would say this was one of the key moments uh, to get me through this competition and that it drove me to uh, and final. The, the fact that you were getting orders, did that give you the confidence then to make sure uh, that you would bring this to the stage where it would be a business? Yeah, definitely. Um, at the start, it was more like an idea, and I had uh, a few prototypes, but when I got the orders, it got suddenly really real, and it was um, a great uh, a first start. And you got great help uh, from a number of sources uh, for your idea. Yeah, I got a great help from, uh, first, Mr. Gull. He is an amazing teacher, and he helped us a lot. And then from Eichling Arnold of Arnold's Hotel. Uh, she accompanied uh, all the mini companies through the whole process, and... Uh, helped us a great deal. Enterprise Day was held in Erickel College here back in February. Uh, 40 local business people and professionals came in, looked at the, the businesses that were on display and they became the judges as well. So uh, when did you realize that you were the winner and how did that feel? Um, we uh, realized when uh, Mr. Gall I wrote us an email in the evening and it was amazing. Um, I look extremely forward to, to the county final and it was a great uh, confirmation uh, that uh, I have a nice uh, business idea. And that county final that you mentioned was held on Wednesday in the Clanry in Letterkenny as part of Enterprise Week. Uh, a great day for yourself and a great day for the school. Uh, definitely. Uh, we were three ma mini companies from uh, the school, one time Inside Out, uh, Wage Wood Design, and then my mini company, Local Lino Art. And we all three won uh, a prizes. Uh, Inside Out won the Green Award, Wage Wood Design won um, the third place, and I won with my mini company th the first place. So it was an amazing day, not only for us, but also for the school. Can you talk to me uh, about your sales, Matthias, and... Uh have you sold many products uh, since the process began for you? Yeah, I uh, sold uh, quite a few um, products. I started selling in the Christmas time. Uh, this was a great start. And I made around now t uh, 360 euros. Uh, I uh, sold products in this value and around 270 in profit. So I'm quite happy about this as well. Do you like making money? Of course I like making money. I don't think there's someone that doesn't like it. Do you see yourself um, after secondary school pursuing a career or pursuing studies in business? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet, I have to be honest, but um, I want to keep on the track uh, um, being creative and uh, maybe even something artistic. So uh, this definitely competition um, helped me a lot and I learned a lot uh, how I could uh, pursue this dream of mine uh, later in life. So looking forward to the national finals that you mentioned that are taking place in Dublin in May, uh, will you change your product at any stage or what way will you prepare now for those finals? Well. At the moment, my products are especially designed for the Donegal market, so I have um, products, uh, uh, designs around the wide Atlantic Way uh, in Donegal, and now I want to expand to the all-Ireland uh, market, and I'm currently working on a design of uh, the, the cliffs of Mohair, and uh, I want to expand uh, into... Uh, more designs and more advertisement in, in general. 
and are you hoping to have that work completed before the national finals? Uh, definitely, I will uh, complete uh, this work uh, before the national final to be uh, prepared and to present Donegal very, really well. You also have an online presence. Uh, could you tell our listeners uh, about that? I have uh, an online presence on Etsy. Um, under localinoart.etsy.com um, and I advertise on social media uh, at um, Instagram and Facebook also at localinoart. And what are your hopes and expectations for the business, Matthias? Well, I hope that I can continue um, working on this business also after um, this competition because it was great fun and it is really an amazing opportunity for me and I think I will continue this. What was the best lesson that you've learned through the process? Well, I would say it was overcoming uh, a couple of challenges and learning from this that I'm able to continue to work on this and that even if I'm facing a challenge, I'm, I will manage uh, to overcome them. And what was the main challenge for yourself? Mm. I would say there was not the one main challenge. I think there were was more a couple of them. For instance, my first prototype of my design of sleeve leak was mirror inverted, so I had to do it completely again. Um, then it was a challenge for me to build up my social media uh, and online present uh, because I didn't really do this a lot before. So um, it was a process. And finally... Uh, looking forward to the finals in a few months' time? Yeah, I really am glad that, that I got through the final and I am now looking forward to it enormously. Matthias Ulish, student at Ericle College and winner of the Donegal Local Enterprise Office Student Enterprise Programme County Final for 2023. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you so much. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Lorna McCauley and Matthias Ulish. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound, and thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with ATU Donegal's Faculty of Business. If you're an owner or manager in the food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour lecture weekly. Call 918 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie.